Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already and ring that notification bell so that you are notified each time we have a new upload on YouTube. And today's episode is dedicated to Shamsa. We'd like to thank you for your continued support and generosity. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Make a donation of any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And today's episode is once again dedicated to Shamsa. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. And we have a special guest for this episode. We have Microsoft's one million man, Rand Althor. And thanks for uh, having me on, Nate MVG. It's always a pleasure talking video games with you guys. Yeah, we had to bring you on for this one because we are going to give our thoughts and predictions for Microsoft's upcoming E3 2021 presentation. And as we know with Microsoft's presentations in recent years, they're always good on paper, but somehow fail in execution. And hopefully Microsoft is able to buck the trend this year. And how we're going to start today's conversation is let's get the bad news out of the way first. Let's discuss what will not be at the Microsoft presser. And I will start off with the big one from software's Elden Ring will not be at Microsoft's presentation, but it will be shown this month and very likely as early as this week, but not part of E3. Instead, it will be shown as part of Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. And I want to know your thoughts on that possibility unfolding. And we'll start with Rand. I'm surprised Elden Ring even exists. (laughs) <laughs> this um yeah it's interesting that uh you would think xbox being the big show out of all these in the upcoming e3 week that elden ring would be there considering it was debuted i believe is it 2018 when it was debuted 20, right it was yep. like three years yes, ago at yep. this point 2018 quite a, quite a while um so to be at summer games fest i wonder if jeff Keeley had to pull some strings because that's a big get I mean, usually Summer Games Fest doesn't have like the big games, but there is a lot of hype uh, behind uh, Elden Ring. So for him to get that, that is that is a major thing. And I know everybody wants to see the trailer for it. I do, too, after playing Sekiro and uh, Bloodborne. I'm not the biggest fan of Dark Souls, but I do love me Sekiro. So I kind of want to see if this is more in line with Dark Souls or more in line with Sekiro or at least a combination of the two, because I, I, I do... I do like their world building. I just don't like the slower gameplay that Dark Souls has. I prefer the faster combat of Sekiro. And I am interested in seeing what the game finally looks like outside of grainy potato cam footage that leaked out, uh, what was it, like a month ago now? So I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, that internal footage that leaked out, I believe it was around March. That was just for internal presentations for marketing purpose within Bandai Namco. And what do you think, MVG? Do you think we see Elden Ring at Summer Game Fest, or do you think Microsoft somehow maneuvered a trailer into their presentation? No, I, I think it's at Summer Game Fest. Um, friend of the show, Jeff Grubb's been talking about it as well, that Keeley's got it. That was that was his words. Um, so I, I feel like it is Summer Games Fest. And honestly, you know, I'm just glad that we're going to see it. Event, You know, finally, we're going to get to see this game other than, mm-hmm. like Rand said, the the grainy potato trailer that that we saw last time, so yeah, um, I'm not really too fussed where we see this, but um, I am happy that that you know Summer Games Fest is going to show this this game finally because it's it's been a long time. 
Yeah, it definitely has. It feels as though it fell victim to the infamous George R.R. R. Martin delay. And those who are familiar with the Game of Thrones series or the line of books will know that it takes him many, many years to finish a book. We've been waiting, I believe, in the area of 10 years now for him to release his upcoming novel. And there's no end in sight for that. So maybe he got a little delayed on writing some of the scenarios for this game. But, you know, that's that's a joke. I'm sure it went over the heads of a lot of people. A Another project I'm not anticipating at Microsoft's show is Ninja Theory's Hellblade 2. This is something we have not seen since the Xbox Series X initial debut at the Game Awards back in, what was that now, 20... 20, end of 2019? Yeah. End of 2019. Yeah. So it's been a while since we've seen Ninja Theory give any update. They have discussed the game a couple of times since then, but they've used the exact same trailer footage, and they just do like a development diary. But we did see some cloud footage recently yep. appeared from Ninja Theory mm. on Twitter talking about how they're mapping and using weather effects for the game. So it's clear that development is making progress, but we do know it has shifted to Unreal Engine 5. And this is an engine that only recently became available in beta form to developers. So we're likely still looking at a somewhat lengthy wait until this game comes to retail and consoles. What do you think, Rand? Um, I, I think the, one of the reasons we haven't seen much of it or it won't be at E3 is because I think they were really affected by uh, mocap uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, mocap basically kind of stopped and I that game relies heavily on motion capture. So I think that's probably one of the big reasons why that game uh, is probably more delayed to 2023 and we won't see anything more of it because they don't have any substantial gameplay, which is what people want to see. So it's probably more behind the scenes type of footage that they submitted, maybe a cinematic. And after the feedback that Xbox received last year with their showcase about how they, how too much, too much of it was CGI stuff. I think Xbox wanted to shy away from having something that would be considered CGI for a game that they had revealed, uh, you know, in 2019. So it's probably best to be like, okay, uh, maybe you can upload that footage that you submitted to your YouTube channel as part of a diary. But uh, like, yeah, so I think, I think Nate's right here. I think Hellblade two doesn't show up. I think it probably gets its proper unveil for the first time next year. And I think that's largely due because they just couldn't do mocap uh, for most of last year. So there was nothing really substantial they could show, you know? Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obvious that this game is under heavy development right now. You know, the 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 switch to Unreal Engine five is significant. The um kind of the the, the tech um tweets that they give us with you know what they're working on. It's it's obvious that right now is not is not the right time to to show anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see something from Hellblade this year. I don't know what that will be. Um, maybe some, you know, development update or some, you know, a new trailer or something, or maybe just some little tech demo or something um, that they'll show us. But yeah, E3 is not the the, the time for for this game. Mm-hmm. And another game I'm not anticipating to be at the show is Obsidian's Avowed. This was debuted, I believe, during Microsoft's last summer press event. It wasn't E3. It was just. I guess it was part of Summer Game Fest, if we want to consider it that. And I mean, I'm really torn on this one because I'd love to see it. The game is further in development than many people believe. 
So I wish it would make an appearance at E3, but I'm not anticipating anything from Avowed. But we will see something from Obsidian at the show. And that's a topic we will get into later in the show. But do either of you think there's any chance Avowed makes either a trailer or a gameplay presentation during Microsoft's press event? No. You, you know, I I thought there was a good chance uh, it would like a month ago. But um, I... Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think they will. I, I think you know it's certainly possible because I think Phil talked about the potential for multiple events this year. You know, there's still the VGAs coming up at the end of the year. There's the possibility Xbox also does uh, another XO after skipping last year. So my 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 co-host of the Xbox Two, uh, Jez Corden, said that he knows that pretty much all the studios, or at least most of the studios, submitted something. Uh, for a lot of their games for E3, and I think I think Obsidian did submit something for Avowed, and it's certainly possible that maybe Microsoft decided to hold off on it and show it at a different event uh, that maybe they're planning this year, and that you know, you know maybe maybe uh, Obsidian themselves wanted to announce Outer Worlds two instead of showing something from Avowed, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think we'll see anything from Avowed. Um, yeah, at the show, but it's possible maybe we see it later in the year. At least I hope so, because I, I really do want to see what that game yeah. looks like. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Not at not E3, but maybe something later on this year. It seems like a good candidate for EXO if Microsoft does bring that back this year, because you do want to save some big announcements for those future type of events. And more projects I'm not expecting at E3 are the recently announced Fable and Perfect Dark. These are titles I don't think we hear hear from again. Probably, I don't even know if we hear from them in 2021, maybe towards the end of the year, at like the Game Awards. But I think we're in for a fairly lengthy wait until we get a meaningful and substantial update on those two projects. Agree. Yeah, I, I don't think we hear back from Fable for a while. I mean, we... We didn't see much last time. We just saw the announcement, really. So it's going to be a while before we hear from from Fable again. Man, we're just ripping the Band-Aid off for people, huh? Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> like, gotta get hey, that. Man, they're yeah, going to tune right. into the show, and it's like, hey, guys, guess what? This isn't here. This ain't here. This ain't here. <laughs> In here. Okay. Yeah, Fable Fable's farther away, I think. I think Fable is... um. Uh, 2023 potentially 2024 i guess depending on how all these things go they're building up the second studio over at playground Mm -hmm. and you know they want to get this game right a lot is writing on it right so um we got the cgi reveal last year i think we'll get the gameplay reveal uh next year 2022 you know i I think and uh you know mvg you'd know more than me but i think COVID impacted a lot of uh, game development and especially impacted games that were ready uh, to, you know, developers that were, you know, trying to show stuff off for the C3. I just saw something that like Warner Brothers basically confirmed today that Suicide Squad and uh, the Batman game and a couple other other games like Harry Potter won't be at their showcase this year. And those were games that were shown the year before. So I think I think the pandemic and work from home has really impacted not only what games are like releasing with all these delays, but what they could show uh, and what they could get ready for like a vertical slice. And I think fables just one of those titles where they're just like, we don't want to waste the resources trying to polish up some sort of E3 gameplay uh, demo or, or, or vertical slice. We'd rather just hunker down and focus on making fable the best possibly can be 
and we'll probably see it for sure next year. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, to to, to prepare a E3 demo that's not a trailer, it takes resources, right? It's it's going to take X number of resources off the dev team to get a trailer ready to go, and that has to be curated, and it has to work, and it has to be QA'd, right? So it doesn't doesn't crash or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think the focus really is just heads down trying to get these games you know, done as quickly as they can. So not necessarily be distracted by an E3 demo at this time if if it's not really something that is that important to them, I will say. So, yeah, you're absolutely right on that one, Rand. And now that we've hit the listener with the large bucket of ice water and have completely dampened their hopes and dreams for Microsoft's E3 conference, now it's time to shift into some hope. <laughs> and what is going to be at the show and there's plenty to be excited about with this show but i wanted to open with you know let's bring things down to that grounded level before people go in expecting everything in the sky and under microsoft's umbrella to be at the show and we're going to start with some of the potential game pass announcements and i will start with battlefield 6 this has been rumored for a while but i do not believe Battlefield 6 will be announced for Game Pass, at least not as a day one release. We know that EA is part of the Game Pass initiative. And eventually down the line, Battlefield 6 will likely be added to the service. But I do not expect EA to come out or Microsoft to to come out and announce Battlefield 6 as a day one Game Pass release. Any thoughts on this? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. I think it would be a huge get for Game Pass mm-hmm. to get Battlefield Six. Yes. I mean that's that game seems like it's going to be massive this year. Uh, I, I like the return to what looks like modern combat as I kind of uh, I'm kind of getting sick of World War Two again, you know. Um, so it would, be, it would be a big announcement, but I can't imagine even if the deal was was done and, you know, who knows if if it ever gets done or if it is done. I don't think EA would want to announce it so far in advance, essentially five months before the game came out. I'm, I would imagine mm-hmm. they would want to have some nice pre-order sales for the title before effectively telling everybody that, oh, you could play it for free in Game Pass. So, no, I'm not expecting uh, Battlefield to be announced for Game Pass. Although, I do think it makes sense to launch it day one in Game Pass. But if it does happen, that's something that would be announced much, much, much later in the year, if it happens at all. Well, let's, let's explore that for a sec, Rand. So, let's say they don't, right? Let's say they don't announce it for Game Pass um, but they do later on and they do open up pre-orders. That wouldn't be a good look though, would it? I mean, if people have pre-ordered the Xbox version and then they say, oh, by the way, it's free on Game Pass day one, you know, two months from now, that that wouldn't be a great look for them. So I can't see that that happening. Can you? 
I mean, we, we've seen MLB The Show and Outriders. Uh, recently, they announced Dark Alliance as well, a bigger title, not like uh, some of the smaller indie games. And I didn't really haven't seen any backlash for people who had pre-ordered Outriders MLB The Show because Xbox is pretty good about letting you cancel your digital pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Like, the, no questions asked. Like, if you have it pre-ordered, you can just cancel it. I'm assuming the same thing, you know, for Amazon, like if it's pre-order, you know, you put your money down or you just pre-ordered it, you can easily cancel it. I don't really think that's, uh, yeah, I don't really think that's much of an issue. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe, uh, maybe it is an issue for some people, but yeah, I don't think canceling your pre-order is that big, uh, that much of an issue for, for these games, especially with how their, their policies are on the digital side. It's interesting. I mean, maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way. Cause I mean, the, another way to think about it is that they're, they're generating, you know, sales numbers on the pre-orders. Right. And then from there, if it's large enough, they just cut EA a check and send it to them and say, here you go, we're going to go on Game Pass day one type of thing. So, I mean, I I get what you're saying and you're right. They have done this before, but this is Battlefield 6, a bigger game, I guess. I mean, it's fair to say that. So I do wonder, you know, how that will be received. It is interesting. I would wonder how much uh, money it would take uh, for, for EA to be like, sure, we'll put Battlefield day one in game. Like, is EA looking at it like, okay, we think we're going to lose four million sales at you know fifty dollars a pop or whatever, so you need to cut us a check to cover that? Mm-hmm. Is that how like EA would look at it? I would love to know the finances of of how the Outriders deal worked out or the MLB the Show deal. Like, is Microsoft just paying for lost sales uh, of what they would project, or you know, and how big uh, is that check from from yeah. uh, from from Satya? You know, yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, I could see a title like Battlefield 6 coming down the line, probably not this year for the points Rand has brought up. I think Mike, I think EA wants to launch Battlefield 6. And, you know, based on all the rumors out there and stuff, it's still a multiplayer focused release. So EA wants to take advantage of those microtransactions. That's something that's why you have these four service games release after all. So they probably want to have it on the market for six months to a year before looking at a Game Pass type deal. and you can then give that user base a boom in new users by introducing Game Pass to it. So I think it's something that we will see happen. It's just going to be further down the line. It won't take place at E3, but we do have more rumors of potential Game Pass announcements for E3. And a recent one, and this is something that Rand has spoken on as well on his own podcast, is Bandai Namco's Scarlet Nexus. And this is a title that we saw Microsoft have exclusive marketing rights to the demo where they had it for a full week before it came to the PlayStation platforms. And this seems like a title that is ripe for the picking for Game Pass, especially especially when we consider Microsoft's ambitions to expand and cater to that Japanese audience. And this is that type of project I think suits their interests well. It has Western appeal due to the anime type, you know, visual style and also the gameplay And it allows them to have these discussions with major Japanese publishers and developers like Bandai Namco. And if they can find success with this type of title on their platform, and that's, you know, ignoring the success that they have had with Square Enix and Sega with the Yakuza games, Dragon Quest, Octopath Traveler, the Final Fantasy releases, something like Scarlet Nexus just feels right in their alley. And this is something that I am anticipating to be announced for Game Pass day one at E3. How do you two feel about that? 
I mean, I feel pretty good about it. Like we know that Xbox has the marketing for this, so there's no mm-hmm. contractual obligations preventing it. Like Resident Evil Seven, you know, remember those leaked document documents that or Resident Evil Village rather uh, yes. that showed up. Um, I had the demo first this month's. It, if you look at the Game Pass titles for the beginning of June, it was incredibly light to the point where I was wondering, well, they must have something big that they want to announce at the showcase where it was like, okay, this is why it's not there. Scarlet Nexus is a bigger title coming out in June. Uh, like you said, they want to you know, more and more go after the Japanese audience. I think it's a no-brainer, which is why I said in my prediction video that you know, I said Scarlet Nexus is probably going to be announced at at uh, the show as a game pass day one title, because that it's immediate, right? The shows the June 13th, I believe uh, Scarlet Nexus comes out like June 21st. So the following week. So it's something tangible that you can have almost immediately instead of like a battlefield six announcements, which would be five months down the road. This would be like, Oh, this is something I can play pretty much right away. And they probably will announce a bunch of other game pass, like titles coming to game pass that day. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, a game that Xbox uh, is co-marketing has exclusive demo for is releasing right around the event. We know that Xbox is looking to get bigger games in the game pass to drive the service because, Let's be honest, their Microsoft's first party isn't necessarily holding up their end of the bargain at this point yet. It's going to be a little bit more while before they start firing on all cylinders. So the deal makes sense, I think, for everybody involved. Yeah, I watched Rand's prediction video, and I'm going to say yes, because Rand said so. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not always right. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, it does feel it does feel right to me as well that Scarlet Nexus is a Game Pass game. Um, yeah, I mean, they got the marketing. I, I think it's 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 kind of primed for for a Game Pass announcement. Now, there were two games that were in the news recently. Well, well, not recent. One was, and it was Persona Five Royal. It was due to a product listing on a Korean ratings board, which was quickly dismissed as being fraudulent because there's apparently an exploit that if if I self-publish a game on Microsoft Store where you can find releases like Animal Crossing, but it's not really Animal Crossing, it's just some, you know, shovelware that someone, some indie developer just threw on the store and named it that, it could have been related to a product like that. But there have been rumors that Persona 5 and Hades will be coming to Game Pass. And both of those feel like they could be that imminent shadow drop at e3 announcements definitely hades fitting that bill more so than persona do you think we could see either one of those be shadow drops during microsoft's press conference later this week want to go on this one first mvg yeah i'm I'm, dude i'm following your lead on this one because i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) um shadow dropped i i don't think i don't think hades or persona is going to be shadow dropped i do think I know Microsoft wants to remove that narrative that they don't really have uh, that whole Japanese like games thing, right? Like they, they, Hey, they don't have Yakuza. They don't have persona. And that's been completely rectified with all the Yakuza games. Right. And I think they're working on persona. I do believe persona will come at some point. I'm just not sure if it's this year. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe Microsoft says, Hey, persona's coming. And it would be a big announcement, even if that, you know, the ports of those games are, let's just say, a year away. Just the announcement that they're coming would make fans really excited. 
Um, I just can't see the games coming anytime soon. Uh, and Hades, I think, would be a big announcement for Game Pass. Uh, Supergiant actually hasn't released a game on Xbox since Bastion. Uh, all the way back during the 360. Like, Transistor didn't come. Uh, Pyre didn't come. Uh, is there a game in between I was think- that they made that didn't come over? But yeah, they, they've completely avoided the xbox platform since bastion um you know for whatever reasons and hades became kind of the indie darling last year um as far as we know there's no exclusivity with the switch it's just like the team's really small and i think that would be a a a cool game to announce coming to uh, xbox through the id at xbox program and hitting game pass on day one and it might be a title that you know comes later on in the year i just don't think they'll be shadow dropped at the show i mean i, I would love it if they were because hades looks like it's really cool but i just i just don't see that I'm, I'm gonna counter rand a little bit and say that phil cut a nice big fat check and send it to them and Ooh. i think it's happening Ooh. <laughs> which one persona or hades uh, hades hades, hades okay. is coming you think hey. you think Persona is going to come eventually? Uh, yeah, I think it will eventually. But you're right. I mean, the the timing right now is is not 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 accurate. I think it will come at some point later on for sure. I mean, we did see Hades on that that horrendously long Xbox indie Twitch show that lasted far too many hours, and apparently Hades representation in the logo was purely a Twitch error. Mm-hmm. And it raised everyone's hype and expectations for that presentation. And then they were all shattered immediately before the presentation took place. So there does seem to be at least some foundation to Hades coming to Game Pass. It seems as though it's more of a question of when and not if. So I would love for that to be a E3 shadow drop announcement for Game Pass because the game is a fantastic game. It's been well received and it's something that just suits the service incredibly well. And I think there would be a large audience of Game Pass subscribers that would have their first go with that title if it comes to the service. So I expect it will come to Game Pass, maybe not necessarily a shadow drop at E3, but I, I could see an announcement take place for the service at E3 at least. Are there any out there Game Pass announcements that you think could happen at E3 this year? And some of the some of them I see out there, people say, oh, Final Fantasy VII Remake will be announced for Game Pass at E3. No. No, it won't. No, it won't. It won't. Sony secured that for another six months until at least December. We saw that recently with Intergrade. And the PC version of Final Fantasy VII Remake has yet to be announced. If it were to come to Game Pass, we're not hearing of any Xbox version for at least another six months. But is there any title that you think could be announced for Game Pass at E3 that would send shockwaves through the industry? Shockwaves, huh? Is that Jeez. a hint? Shockwaves. Shockwaves. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, the, the thing, the problem with that is like uh, a lot of the what you would consider shockwaves would have to be a big title, like a AAA title, like a Battlefield. And right. I'm, I'm just, I just don't think publishers. I think there's still some trepidation around Game Pass um, that Microsoft mm-hmm. needs to work through. Uh, give publishers the data about how well Outriders or Knockout City or um, you know MLB the Show did. And I think a large part of these publishers also rely on pre-order sales, and that's why like something like Battlefield or something like Back for Blood 
you know, announcing a Game Pass deal that far in advance, they may think might uh, prevent their their pre-order sales from taking off. So they maybe wouldn't view it as uh, good for them. So I can't personally see a, a huge AAA title that's coming out, you know, six, eight months from now or whatever, getting announced at this show. I think it's more likely they announce persona, even though I don't even think that's likely, but like just announcing, Hey, persona's coming and it's coming to game pass whenever it does, because it's an older franchise. Whereas like these newer games, I think they still want to play their cards close to their chest. And there's just way too many games out there that Microsoft could announce for game pass that it's just like, I'd have to look at the release schedule. Honestly, like I think Scarlet Nexus would be, be a big announcement. I just don't know if that's like a, a shocking one that you want to describe it as is like, you know, ripples through the industry. Uh, it, that's a tough one. Uh, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I don't think so. I, I agree. Um, I don't think it, I don't think so either. Um, I think, you know, I think battlefield will come and that will be a big announcement, but you know, for this E3, I don't, I don't see that coming. I don't see a big shockwave um, Game Pass announcement for the show. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of just expecting they'll come out with several Game Pass announcements of various games. It's just maybe some older previous releases, but likely the only day one upcoming launch is probably something, you know, like Scarlet Nexus or something in line with that type of tier release. We're not probably, you know, seeing something that is just. Yep. a huge AAA effort come to Game Pass, at least not in terms of an E3 announcement then. Yes. And you never know, Microsoft might actually like um, their, because the, the Game Pass team is very uh, aggressive on social media, <laughs> where uh, they kind of always like to be in the news. So maybe they think, hey, announcing Battlefield 6 or announcing a bigger game that's farther off isn't necessarily in their best interest because they can't capitalize it like they could if they announced announced like Battlefield the month before where they could really drive it home. You know what I mean? Um, where they could really yeah. do the social media posts and things like that. <laughs> so I, I, I think... I do. I do think we'll probably get a sizzle trailer of games coming to Game Pass from in, from for like newer releases and stuff. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I really do think some of the AAA uh, publishers are are still a little bit wary about Game Pass uh, and and what's what it can do, and they don't want to give up their pre order sales. Uh, but I could be completely wrong. But that's just kind of my take on it. Do you think we officially get confirmation that Microsoft is going to include? Ubisoft titles on Game Pass coming later this year and basically just announce the partnership is in place but not give that full software lineup. Do you think that could happen at this E3? I think if they're going to announce the Ubisoft partnership on Game Pass, then they have to have at least 10 to 12 curated games ready to go. So unless they have that, I don't see that happening. I... I I don't think they'll announce the partnership. However, I could see them easily announcing at the show. Hey, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming soon. Hey, Watch Dogs Legion, which just got a 60 frames patch is Mm -hmm. coming right now. Like those are sort of announcements you could make and being like Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla are available right now in game pass. And it, it Ubisoft is putting more and more titles into their service I, I don't think uh, I don't think they'll announce the whole kitten caboodle 
essentially uh, right now. Even with the EA thing, they didn't announce EA Play coming to Game Pass, I believe, until end of August, September. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it was it was happening November. So that's what I think will happen is like they'll probably maybe announce a couple of the recently released Ubisoft games hitting Game Pass like that day. Uh, and then maybe further down into the year, we get to September, October. If that deal truly does materialize and happen, then they'll announce it and being like, hey, you be, you know, you play plus or whatever is is going to be a part of Game Pass Ultimate if you have a subscription. Yeah, I can see that play out that way. I mean, Ubisoft has a rich catalog of software and, you know, they have had numerous releases on the Xbox platform over the years. But if we could have access to some of those legacy titles, like having the old Splinter Cell games from the original Xbox as part of a Game Pass. I think that would excite a lot of people, especially with HDR support and, you know, increased resolution. Who wouldn't want to play, you know, Splinter Cell from the original Xbox with HDR and 4K resolution? I know I sure would. And I'm sure a lot of Splinter Cell fans would love to return to those, that like original trilogy of games because it's been a long time since we've had a true Splinter Cell game. And we did see that leak this week of a, Division crossover with Splinter Cell that nobody wants. So it'd be nice to give us something that we actually want. True compatibility with current gen features for those classic Splinter Cell titles. Well, just on that real quick, Nate, I mean, you you did touch on the OG Splinter Cell games. I think think there will be something along the lines of more backward compatible games get announced at the show. I don't know how many we'll get, but we'll we'll definitely get an update on backward compatibility plus maybe some frame FPS boost stuff as well. I would I would expect. Yeah, it's been a while since we've really seen any new games added to the backwards compatibility catalog. And that was because that team was busy working to get the launch of the Series X and Series S, you know, up to par and making sure games are compatible. And they have said that they're going back to work to look at that catalog. So E3 seems like a good time to announce. Some yeah. brand new titles on that service. I mean, my personal hope would be something like Project Gotham or Jet Set Radio Future, but those always seem like high hopes and they'll just never materialize. But maybe this year will be the year that we finally see those titles come back to the Xbox and excite a new generation of gamer because those titles define the Xbox in a lot of ways, especially for me. Project Gotham is one of my fondest Xbox memories of just using the kudos system and doing all the tricks and being mesmerized by the visuals. And it was a game that if you ins- if you copied a CD onto the original Xbox hard drive, you could access that CD and listen to it for the game soundtrack. So that was just a really cool feature at the time. By today's standards, that's really nothing special. But I'd love to see those type of games finally come to modern platforms again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll get something. I don't know if we're going to get Project Gotham. I would love Project Gotham if we did. Jason Ronald has hinted that there is more backward compatibility coming and you know what better time than E3 to unveil some more stuff. Absolutely. And now I want to touch on acquisitions. Every time Microsoft has a presentation, acquisitions, it's always going to be brought up because Microsoft has kind of set a trend of acquisition news. And at E3 2019, I believe, is when they announced that they had acquired Ninja Theory and Double Fine. So expectation this year is certainly that Microsoft is going to announce a brand new acquisition. There are some rumors going around that this may happen. What do you think, Rand, is the Mm. 
realistic probability that Microsoft announces a brand new acquisition at E3? Um, I, I think there's a chance. The problem with this is acquisitions are very fluid. You know, like talks go on for a bit and then they fall apart for whatever reasons on either end. No Xbox has been talking to a bunch of different studios and publishers over the course of the years. And they're currently talking to people right now. Um, and maybe Xbox feels that a couple of those were close enough where they maybe would push to have an extra announcement during the show. Uh, I, I, you know, Satya and Phil are both on record saying they'll look to grow in organically wherever possible. So I do expect them to acquire more studios eventually. Of course, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking like this uh, so soon after this historic Bethesda purchase. But the interesting thing I'll bring up, and I mentioned this in my video was, if you recall last year, they when they announced the July Game Showcase, Aaron Greenberg and everybody from Xbox came out and was like, listen, this is only about games. There is no business-related deals at this show, which meant at the time no pricing on Series X, no reveal of the Series S, and no acquisitions. They didn't say that this time, although it is called the Xbox Bethesda Game Showcase, which implies just games. However, they didn't come out and because Xbox is all about setting expectations uh, you know, recently they didn't come out and say, Hey, there's no business related dealings it's because maybe they knew they had some things in the works that could possibly be added last minute, you know, like a, like a trailer, like, Hey, we're welcoming in, you know, whatever studio we did purchase. So I'm just kind of, it's like a 50, 50 for me. You know, I, there's, I think it could happen, but I'm not necessarily expecting it, you know? Uh, because I, I know how some of these things go, you know, like one day it's a go <laughs> it's happening. And then a couple days later it fell through. Yeah. And right. um, I mean, all it takes you is know, their legal department to say, you can't, sh- you can't talk about this right now. And it's off the table, you know? Uh-huh. So I, I agree. I mean, it could, they may, you know, show us something, but I think, you know, if we're talking predictions, I don't think we're going to see any announcements about acquisition at this show. Do you think there is a chance that we hear of the impending or highly rumored partnership between Nintendo and Microsoft occur at Microsoft's presentation? Mm. You would love that, wouldn't you? Switch, Game Pass on Switch. Who wouldn't (laughs) love that? Uh, You know, some Xbox fans would because they'd be like, what are we getting out of this? We don't get anything. Um, No, I kind of feel like that's more of a Nintendo announcement, don't you? Yeah, than, than an Xbox that. announcement that would be yes. more like a Nintendo Direct, like "Hey, Game Pass is on Switch" or something, rather than like an Xbox event. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's just kind of the way I would look at it. I think that would be something Nintendo announce announces. Yeah, I would agree. I think that would be something that Nintendo would want creative control over, so that they make the announcement all about their brand. Whereas if Microsoft had control over it, I could see it on both sides because then it's Microsoft being able to say we're bringing our awesome game content and service of xCloud and Game Pass to the Nintendo Switch. And that would excite, you know, Xbox investors or Microsoft investors. But for Nintendo to come out in a direct or their own, you know, press event later in the year and say, coming later today, you will have access to all of these great Microsoft published games on our platform via xCloud and Game Pass. It could go both ways for either company to take advantage of that announcement, but it does feel like something Nintendo would want control over. So I'm not anticipating any talk of Nintendo and Microsoft at E3 this year for either company. 
now we can discuss some of the software that will be at E3 since we have dismissed oh so much. And <laughs> what is going to happen at this show, Nate? Tell us what's happening. I think it's going to be a solid show, as we touched on. I think it's going to be good on paper. I think it's going to be an event that when we look back at, we're going to say, you know, that was a good show. As it's happening, we're probably going to sit there and have a lot of tribulations about our feelings with it. We're not going to be, wow, overly impressed with any particular sequence. But I think once you actually have time to marinate on your thoughts and reflect, you're going to say, you know, that wasn't that bad overall. Mm. We know we're going to see Halo Infinite. We're going to get an update on that game. And we've been given monthly updates on the development progress of it. We've seen brand new screenshots. Some new music tracks have come out on YouTube. And the music sounds amazing. Very original Halo Combat Evolve vibes to it. I mean, you have Gareth Coker being one of the composers. And if you don't recognize the name, you'll definitely recognize the musical talents of him in titles like Ori in the Blind Forest or Ori Will of the Wisp. And anyone who's played those games know the soundtrack is just simply astonishing. Oh, top tier. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know that we will, well, we don't know. It's been highly rumored, but we will see Forza Horizon 5. It's going to take place in Mexico. And this is a title I am personally very excited for. I love the Horizon franchise they're a ton of fun and i can't wait to drive through mexican locations i want to see how they use that diversity of that environment and landscape and how they really deliver in the game because we've gone to australia and they did a fantastic you know fantastic job with the australian damn right they did (laughs) (laughs) like you drive through the you know the outback and everything and it was wow then they took us to what was it great britain in forza horizon 4 Mm mm-hmm uh yes yep. yes and it rained a lot but it was hilly it was a cool area to drive through but mexico we can drive by you know temples we're going to have the coastal locations maybe some you know rainforest type sequences i'm really excited about that release and i mean what are your thoughts on forza horizon 5 in mexico and when do you think the title might be releasing and we can start with rand on this one um, I think it's going to release in October. I know I definitely know there's some people out there that think Forza Motorsports uh, next, but uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I think Forza Motorsport is end of next year, if not early 2023. Um, they did get an extra year of development, but I don't know how much that means in, in this work from home environment. I don't know if that means like the game's going to be have some newer things that they couldn't iterate before because was always a two-year cycle or if the three years is not like hey we needed three years because of what happened last year um i think it's going to be a stunner like they're going to you know push the series x to what it can do being a first party so you know 4k 60 maybe gray tracing although i don't know if that engine can do it yet that's like kind of what turn 10 is doing with uh revamping the engine for next gen um so i expect october i expect it to look absolutely gorgeous it's going to play so smoothly. I'm just kind of curious what the hook is for this game. You mentioned the weather and the seasons in Forza Horizon 4. They always seem to have something. And I'm just wondering what this one is. And because uh, I don't know, like, what's left to really do? Like, terrain deformation, uh, you know, or at least more of it. Um, but, you know, I mean, Forza Horizon is a huge franchise. I think they announced, what, 25 million players? It's out on Steam yes. finally. Um, it's going to drive Game Pass. Like, it, 
people are going to play this game uh, and they're always super high quality. My only real concern at this point is that the games are starting to feel a little too samey. Forza Horizon 3 and Forza Horizon 4 were very, very similar. And I'm expecting Forza Horizon 5 to be the same kind of mold, right? Uh-huh. Where you play it and you're like, oh man, this could be 4 or 3. My hope is that at some point, uh, Playground uh, takes extra time, whether it's another four years, and really revamps the series before uh, people really start to feel that fatigue. But maybe I'm on my own here. Maybe the people who play it constantly every single uh, week, because it's always one of the most played games on Xbox, feel a little bit differently. Um, but I don't know. At some point for me, I, I do think they need to have a facelift on the franchise, whether or not they need to add cops or for, for another release or like motorcycles. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like the horizon games are starting to feel a little bit like too similar. Um, because, and, and maybe that's because of the release schedule. They come out, they used to come out every two years. So you just get done playing one and the next one's out. And it's like, man, this is the same thing. The only difference is, uh, you know, a new location. But even with that said, I, I always put about a hundred hours into these games when they do come out. They're always a, you know, a graphical showpiece for the system. And uh, I can't wait to play it whenever it does come out. I don't necessarily expect the formula to change too much, at least on this game, Rand. Um, I think what it's going to have going for it is it's just going to be, you know, a a 60 frames per second, maybe 120 um, ray tracing, you know, all all the new bells and whistles that, that comes with the Series X. You get Mexico, you get the amazing scenery, you get the Mayans. I mean, you just get, you know, you get Mexico City, you get just some beautiful scenery that you're going to, you know, um, experience and I think that's going to be enough to carry this game you know and, and make it make it successful just like the other ones you're right though I think the 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 franchise does need a facelift but I don't think this is the game necessarily that that we get the facelift from and I think that's okay I mean I think people want want a new for uh, horizon game and and Mexico's you know in Mexico is going to be um, a pretty good experience overall for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the game, as I said, and it may feel derivative of the previous versions, but, you know, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt right now. I want to see what they have added to the game and maybe they do have a unique hook and, you know, we'll find out in just a few more days. Maybe they have, you know, a greater focus on like dune buggies and we have more desert racing or that type of setting or, you know, through the rainforest type of setting. So I'm looking forward to what they have to show us later in the week. And I think it's going to be a very popular game, as you both mentioned, once it does launch later this year. I'm a little torn on the release date. I could see it releasing in you know, the second half of September or the first half of October, but definitely definitely ahead of the holiday season, because I think we can all agree we're anticipating that Halo Infinite will likely launch in November, kind of as a celebration of the Halo franchise itself, because that will mark the 20th anniversary since the original release. So I think they're going to use probably the exact same release day, if possible, as Halo Combat Evolved for Halo Infinite. But I could see them release a multiplayer flight or beta sometime this summer leading up to release so that we all get you know our hands on to maybe some of the new multiplayer modes. And I think that would be something that they would detail in full at E3. And on the topic of Halo Infinite, I think multiplayer is going to be a big focus of the game's presence for Microsoft's showcase overall. I don't think we're 
we're going to get some campaign update, but I think their focus is still going to be multiplayer. And do either one of you agree with that? I mean, I 100% agree with you. I do do think just you just need to look at the key art for the show, right? It was it was for multiplayer characters. It wasn't chief. It basically tells you that their focus is going to be on the multiplayer. Uh, We saw the campaign last year. I know people are like disappointed with how it looked and they want some sort of side-by-side comparison update for this year where it's like, look how it looked last year and look how it looks now and look at the big improvements, but they're not going to do that. And they shouldn't do Um, that either. They shouldn't do that. That would be, that would be the wrong approach. I think if that was something that they were in, you know, in the, in the war room at Microsoft trying to figure out how to present this, I would, I would have thrown that out immediately if that was ever discussed, honestly. Yeah, and it's 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 going to be about the multiplayer. I know people don't want to hear this, but Halo's success is going to hinge on the multiplayer. That's mm-hmm. what people, and that's why it's free to play. So you know, the whole business of the the game is going to be is going to be around that. So I think we get a look at maybe a new mode. You know, um, I was kind of throwing it out there, predicting that uh, they got like a, a battlefield inspired mode, like sixty v sixty Spartan type thing where uh you know very battlefield inspired as not necessarily a battle royale but like conquest type thing where it's just like there's a lot of a lot of enemies on screen a lot of you know vehicles and stuff like that um kind of more of like a like a, a evolution of warzone and yeah they're gonna be like hey this is this is a halo game for halo fans you know you're gonna have your 4v4 you're gonna have your arena you're gonna have your big team battle you're gonna have all this stuff and i do think they do uh, they will drop a like um a sizzle trailer for the campaign I, I do think we will see more of the campaign, but yes. really quick flashes of it in like maybe a two minute quick cut uh, style instead of a long seven minute demo. But I, I think it focuses mostly on multiplayer. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, we're going to get a lot of updates of already announced software from Microsoft and titles of that will include something like Flight Simulator. We'll probably get a release date for that. They said summer, so I could see it either maybe a potential shadow drop or maybe a July and August release. We'll also get a release date for Psychonauts 2, and I believe the release date or the release window for that has essentially leaked due to the product page going up a little early, and I believe the date was sometime in August. Yes, and and real quick on Psychonauts, I know this this may not track with you guys, but I think it opens up the show with release really? date. Yep, yep. Hmm. Certainly uh, possible. I think they. I, I think they. They don't necessarily come out swinging with their best stuff. But they come out swinging with this game. People love Psychonauts, and this game is coming out, and you can get it in August, or whenever the date was was announced for it. So I, I think they they come out with a uh, win, basically. Okay, maybe that would be a unique opening. I think a lot. I think it would confuse a lot of people. So a little little mind. Yeah, melody. because most people are expecting Halo to open for the third time in four years. Yes. You open, yeah. I mean, you usually open with your pedigree title, but man, if Psychonauts two opens with a release date, I think I could almost see Phil coming out um, with Halo. Halo's not. I don't feel like Halo's going to open. I feel like Halo is definitely going to be, you know, the first fifteen minutes of the show. Um, but I can maybe see Phil come out and say, "Hey, we just want to update you guys on a beloved franchise, and and just keep it high level, and then just boom straight into the Halo stuff." You know what I mean? I was thinking Psychonauts 2 is kind of going to have its release date in the like the middle of the show, kind of when the roller coaster is coming down from that 
incline and we need to flatten out a bit and then something big comes up so we can go back on the rise you know kind of like that sizzle middle where everyone's kind of like when's the next big thing i was kind of expecting psychonauts there but they open that'd be an interesting move then we're going to get updates on titles like the gunk this is something we haven't seen in a while mm-hmm. and that's a perm- permanent exclusive according to some of their leaked documents thank you yeah. apple versus epic <laughs> is it a game pass release i don't know uh, yeah because everything they showed last year if you remember uh they said everything was launching uh in game pass which mm-hmm. i don't think they're going to do that this year especially if a title like battlefield 6 is there right sure uh we'll probably get updates on scorn if anyone remembers scorn yep mm-hmm. i think we will uh then crossfire x this is a title that was announced a while ago we know that remedy is making a campaign for the game I believe the way this title is or the setup for this release is that the multiplayer is going to game pass, but the single player campaign made by remedy is not game pass release. So I think we're going to get an update on that game. And my hope is that maybe the campaign will now join game pass as well. But this is a title that I think a lot of people have their eye on. We haven't seen or heard much of it in many months. So I'm looking forward to seeing what remedy has done with crossfire X I want to go into the big release or the big potential announcement, and that is codenamed Project Typhoon. We've seen articles make reference to this, and I do believe it will be at E3. I just don't know if it's going to be a title that is going to wow anyone. I think it's another one of those announcements that it's, oh, this is cool. I can't wait to see more when it gets closer to release, but it's just another one of those this is a game that we have coming. Please look forward to type of announcements, in my opinion. And I'd like to hear what you think of Project Typhoon, Rand. I mean, yeah, like I, I kind of agree with you. It's one of those games that I think is like Xbox kind of planned to have more titles surrounding it, right? So it's like, here's Project Typhoon, and we'll find out what it is and who makes it at E3. And like by itself it's maybe not too exciting but as like oh here's project typhoon and you know it's co-op multiplayer type of game that's a cool experience oh and then a couple months later i got you know avowed or i I got starfield where it's just like it's more of like it's just a game and a mist of other games that xbox is just throwing out there um instead it's like because some of the delays a lot of people a lot of people are putting a lot of expectations on the title that maybe we're never supposed to be there in the first place. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, judging from what I know about the title, uh, you know, I, I, like, is it going to be your Starfield or your halo or your Forza? I don't think so. But again, I mean, I, we, some of this has to come down to presentation, right? Like we're just seeing words on a piece of paper and right. we're trying to be like, okay, what could that be like? You know, uh-huh. maybe the trailer impresses. You know, and, and, you know, I don't know if they'll show gameplay, but it's entirely possible that like what's shown off in the gameplay, you look at that and be like, that could be a really fun time. And I'm looking forward to that. That's why it's kind of hard to judge a lot of the stuff, because you just don't know how things will show up. Uh, I thought last year's E3 was going to be amazing from Xbox. And then the presentation was lacking. You know, nobody really wants to see all these CGI trailers. So, like, if it shows up in in a bigger way with some gameplay uh, you know, I think maybe Typhoon impresses people. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When you look back at like last year's on paper, when you see titles like Fable, it's like, wow, that's exciting. 
but then just a CG trailer that really showed us nothing of substance beyond a frog eating a fairy and the words fable come up. It's kind of like, well, that's, that doesn't do anything for me. It's nice to know that you finally have confirmed fable coming to the platform, but ultimately it was an appetizer and we don't know when the main course is coming. And that's my favorite project typhoon. Yes, they can give it its official name. They can even give us, you know, a potential release window, let's say 2022 or 2023, but they have to show us some of that gameplay concept in the trailer that they present at E3 this year to really excite the fan base. And I think the only other big new announcement we get this year will be from Obsidian, and it's going to be The Outer Worlds 2. And for those who may not have been paying attention to this title's development, back in October of 2020, it was revealed via some documents that this title entered pre-production. So a reveal right now really doesn't feel that out of place, but how excited will you get over a trailer for the outer world too? And we could start with MVG on this one. I would be moderately excited about it. I liked the first game a lot. I thought it had a lot of potential. Obviously it was kind of a smaller game, but you could definitely tell what they were going for. I feel like this game is kind of the game that they wanted to make all along with the Outer World. So I think it's a pretty hype announcement. I, I Again, I'm a big fan of the game, so I, I would I would see it. I don't know if it's going to be a, a real huge pop-off type of thing, but it would definitely get some buzz, I think. And it's definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in checking out for sure. Yeah, to me, I like I played it on the Xbox when it came to Game Pass. I also played it on the Switch, the original Outer World. And yeah, it's a fine game. And, you know, I, I'm curious to see how fans would react to the announcement of an Outer Worlds 2. I mean, it was definitely well received despite some, you know, limitations here and there, but it felt as though it did replace the Fallout franchise in the eyes of many. So it seems as though it has a good grasp of what people want from that genre that's sorely missing. And that's a good segue into we know Bethesda is going to have a presence at the show. We don't know how substantial their presence is going to be of the 90 minute showcase. Are they only going to have a few minutes? Are they going to be potentially a full like half hour? But we know they're going to bring Starfield to Microsoft's and Bethesda's E3 showcase. And the rumor is that Starfield is going to have a release date assigned Mm -hmm. to it. And that release date is going to be in the second half of 2022, potentially in quarter four of 2022. And do you feel as though they really needed to assign a release date on Starfield at E3 2021 if it's not coming out for another 15 months? What do you say, Rand? I don't think they need to, honestly. Um, I, I, I think it's weird. I think I it's like a reassurance maneuver or just saying, hey, we're going to say, yeah, let's just say it's November 2022. We want you to feel confident we're going to deliver this. Yeah, I mean... I know they did that with Skyrim when they uh, originally de- debuted at uh, the Spike Game Awards at the time. I think it was, you know, 11, 11, 11. And uh, so it was a year in advance. Um, maybe they're trying to go for that same feel where it's like we're we're marking our territory in the sand. Like, right. Like a dog. Like this day is ours. And Starfield's going to be absolutely massive. Um, I'd be interesting. Like, first off about Starfield, I just want to know what the game is. Is exactly. it Fallout in space? Is yeah. it like is it like No Man's Sky or something like that? Like I just want to know because it has all this hype for basically a game that we've seen nothing of, 
And see, some of that has to do with the fact that it's going to be exclusive, right? Exclusives always get more hype than uh, regular multiplats. But I know MVG said he thought, uh, and it was interesting, you know, because uh, I, I haven't heard it before. Psychonauts was going to open the show. Yeah. I think Starfield's going to open the show. I think they they delve right into the whole Bethesda relationship. Mm-hmm. I think they show this game. I think they pound people over the head with the message that Bethesda is Xbox right from the get-go of the conference. And they show you Starfield, and hopefully it looks amazing. But that's kind of my my prediction on that. I, that could very well happen, Rand. That could very well happen where they they basically just open up with Starfield um, in exactly the same fashion that you just mentioned. I think they will... I don't know if they'll put a date on it. Um, and, and maybe if they do, maybe it'll just be 2022, you know? Like, I think what they're going to do with this game is, you're right, they're going to show, illustrate the the partnership between well the the Bethesda is Microsoft Microsoft is Bethesda they're going to show us a lot of Starfield and they're going to show us how big this game is how vast the the world is and it's really going to make you subconsciously think well this game is huge and it's not coming out this year and then maybe they'll just drop you know 2022 at the end of it type of thing and then people are going to walk away thinking yeah that that makes sense because this game's massive there's no way it's coming out this year so, you know, that that's fine. So I, I think that's the way they're going to approach this, you know, this whole thing. Yeah, I think a lot of the Bethesda games that we see on display at E3 are going to be more future-related releases. And this is a title that I have reasonable confidence will be shown at Microsoft's E3 conference, and it is Arcane's Omen. This is a vampire-inspired title. Really not much known about the title itself. I do believe it will be at Microsoft's E3 conference. And I think this should excite a lot of people. Arcane is a well-known studio. A lot of people enjoyed the Dishonored franchise. And it's been a while since we've seen a new project from Arcane. I think they also did Prey, which Mm -hmm. is now an FPS boost game on the Xbox Series X. And hopefully it's not another case of a lot of CG. This is something I want to see gameplay. I want to see proof of concept in the debut of this game at this presentation because just with the pedigree of developer arcane you have my interest vampires my interest is either for now it's further peaked but i need to see gameplay proof of concept so i can say okay this is a title i'm excited for i can't wait to see more next year when we get closer to release well another title it's a microsoft uh, show though nate we're going to get some trailers and i think this is probably one that we will get a trailer for this is a CGI trailer Man. all day long. I hope you're wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> like another title from Bethesda, and this is one, there really hasn't been that much talk around it beyond rumor, and it's a brand new Wolfenstein game. Mm. It feels like we're just on schedule for the next installment of the Wolfenstein trilogy. They did announce that there would be a third, third installment a couple of years ago. We haven't heard anything about it. And there's an expectation that it will be at E3 this year. And, you know, I'm not overly confident that we will see Wolfenstein at E3, but I'm curious to hear your two thoughts on the prospect of seeing a brand new Wolfenstein at E3 this year. And we can start with you, MVG. I don't even know if there will be a Wolfenstein game. I mean, I don't even know if there's one that's that's being developed right now. So I, I will say that there is no chance of a Wolfenstein three. A no chance. He's going out on that limb. Yep. No chance. I yep. love it. Um, 
you know, for a while there, I was positive the game existed. You know, Pete Hines talked about how the team was going to make one. And you're kind of thinking like, okay, what have they been doing all this time? And we know they're doing Indiana Jones, but we all assume Indiana Jones is super early in development, right? So it's like, okay, well, like they have to be doing something. And that's something most people assume was Wolfenstein 3. But then it's like, well, maybe they weren't doing Wolfenstein 3. Maybe they were relegated to support studio. Like maybe they were helping out on Starfield. Maybe they were helping out on Deathloop. And they weren't exactly working, you know, the whole studio on a Wolfenstein 3 project until they landed Indiana Jones. I honestly don't know. If you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have been like 100% Wolfenstein 3 is real. It'll be at the showcase. You asked me today, and I'm not even sure it exists like MVG. Uh, maybe a small team's working on it right now while they you know, get through Indiana Jones and they, and they come back to it after Indiana Jones and, and finish up the trilogy. I mean, I would love for it to be announced. I love the Wolfenstein, you know, games. I love machine games and would definitely be an extra game for Xbox to, you know, maybe come out next year or whatever. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with MVG. Like, I don't even know if it's real. Yeah. If it, if or it, if is, it real, is real, it's, it's a PNG. Right? Long. It's a Metroid Prime 4 announcement Ooh, at best. That seems, yeah. that seems harsh, don't you think? Well, yeah. But, you know, we're just trying to be honest here. <laughs> I mean, it does feel like maybe it was a project that was in development that has since fallen to the wayside. And, like, if it doesn't show up at E3 this year, then I'm not expecting a Wolfenstein. Yep. For the foreseeable future, because as yeah, you mentioned, they'll, they'll just Indiana do Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, and when they did speak on Wolfenstein three, it was around the time Wolfenstein Young Blood came out, and they said, "Oh, it'd be like a sequel to this game." Well, maybe that game underperformed to the point where they said, "Never mind, we're not going to do that third one anymore." I do think they want to close out the trilogy, and Xbox needs as many games, you know, for Game Pass as possible. Granted. Uh, they only just acquired him now and it's, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe Wolfenstein two underperformed to the point where they're like, we don't want to rush anything to production. You can help out on Starfield. You can help out on death loop that Sony's paying for. And they just didn't have anything in full production until they closed the deal with, uh, you know, Lucasfilm and, and Indiana Jones. It's very interesting. Cause I think we can safely assure Starfield will be there from Bethesda and yes. Uh, like Omen, um, maybe even updates about Fallout uh, uh, 76 or or Elder Scrolls Online. What do you yep. maybe may, do, you, do you think maybe even potential Zenimax talks about their new game that they have that they're working on that Quentin Cobb's over there with the team from, you know, the un, you, Naughty Dog and the game they're building is do you think there's a chance we see that, too? Or I think that's held for like an X1 or the Game Awards, because I think I feel like their real big focus. They want Starfield to be front and center. Yeah, that's our big gameplay debut. And then you have Omen. You don't really want to talk about another way distant project. But I feel like you you want more like more from Bethesda from your first like thing where it's like, yeah, Starfield's nice and Omen, but that's just two games. And Bethesda is a publisher that always used to have more than that during their showcase. And granted, they're not going to be able to talk about Deathloop or Ghostwire Tokyo because they're PlayStation games at this point. I, I just I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like there has to be more than just two new announcements from Bethesda, especially if it's a 90 minute show, if we assume an hour for Xbox and uh, 30 minutes in between wherever for Bethesda, doesn't really seem like a lot. 
that's why maybe a lot of this stuff is somewhat exciting because you don't really know like if Wolfenstein will or won't show up or, or stuff like I, I don't know I don't know what to think yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of possibilities that they could go for but you know by now being that console exclusive or you know for the majority of upcoming releases at least they're not going to have that type of show where you know where traditionally saw bethesda come out be like oh here's elder scrolls blades for switch and that would take up five minutes of the show or here's skyrim for switch another five minutes now if they have to be a little more regulated to just the microsoft stuff because it is the microsoft show you could be you know potentially looking at a slightly more limited showcase of what's on you know what's on the slab at the studios but they could also say, here's Doom Eternal Xbox Series X version. Like we've mm-hmm. gone, you know, we've overhauled the game completely. So they do have other avenues that they can explore. And it will be interesting at how they approach it this year, because I think this is going to set the tone moving forward of what we expect from Bethesda at Microsoft shows, you know, in subsequent years. But there's it's going to be an interesting display of how Bethesda is integrated into this presentation. Cause as we said, it's a 90 minute show. Could it be 30 minutes is regular, you know, relegated to Bethesda showcases. We don't know how, they, are they going to separate the two or are they just going to seamlessly blend together? We really don't know how this is going to be handled, but it's definitely something that I am interested in and I'm excited to see what Bethesda does have in development, be it a brand new Wolfenstein or, you know, maybe an update on Indiana Jones. But as you mentioned, we can confidently say we will see Starfield. We will see Omen. And maybe those two are enough to excite fans, especially on the Xbox base of what Bethesda has in store moving forward for the platform. And it should be a fun show overall for Bethesda. And to close out the topic, I want each of you to give me your preliminary thoughts and you know, general hype level for the Microsoft Bethesda conference based on what we have said and just you know your general expectation going into it. And we can start with MVG. What's your hype level going into the Microsoft showcase? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier that on paper these shows always look really good. And we talked about last year on paper, it looked like a great show and it kind of just didn't really deliver what we had expected. I think Microsoft has looked at last year and they've learned a lot from last year's show. Um, I am quietly confident that this show will be a good one. I'm not trying to get my hype levels up too high this time around. I think last year I was really hyped for Halo and it did disappoint me a little bit. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think this show will be a solid 7.5, maybe an 8, depending on execution. I think honestly, at the end of the day, if they even if they drop the um the uh you know the Starfield and they show us Forza Horizon and they show us Halo and all three of those have solid gameplay portions that that really does nail home that these games are why you need an Xbox in 2021 and beyond then that's enough for me you know everything else is gravy so th- those three games are the big ones for me everything else that they they have on the show is is extra um look i think the show will be a good show 90 minutes they will have some good stuff to show us they'll have some surprises and look i do think it will be better than last year and like i said nate i think a 7.5 is where i give it maybe an eight and hopefully you know if if it's better than that um then i'm i'm walking away feeling really good about xbox 
Sounds fair. How about you, Rand? Um, I think it's going to be a solid show. Um, I with the potential of being a great one. Um, I I think presentation matters. I thought last year's show was going to be amazing, and the presentation was a little bit lacking in that regard. So it dropped it down for me. So, um. I think this year is going to be a very solid show and they're going to have some really good announcements, especially when you take in the factor of what's going on everywhere in the world with game development right now. I think Xbox is going to put on, you know, it's, they're going to have games that they're going to announce and, and it's, it's, you know, gameplay hopefully, because I think that's the lesson they learned from last year. And it's really just depends like MVG said about like presentation, like, how these games show up is going to be important. How Halo looks, you know, are people excited about the multiplayer? Does Starfield look really impressive? And if it does, if Starfield looks like the next huge thing, you know, the the first new IP from Bethesda in 25 years, that could be enough to really excite people. And then you add on those individual announcements of Project Typhoon and, and Omen and a game from Arcane and some really solid Game Pass titles, you know, like, I think the show in that regard would probably be considered a success. Maybe not necessarily 10 out of 10 or nine out of 10, but like where we are in the world right now, a very, very solid show and a really, really good show with the potential of being something great, just depending on how all these games, uh, you know, show up. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think you both bring up good points and presentation is definitely the big point. I think that should be emphasized is that if the presentation of the show is quality, there's good pacing to it and we don't really hit that drag in the middle that we're going to walk away from it probably feeling more confident in microsoft and what the future holds for the brand than we would if it's 40 minutes of a high quality show limited then by half an hour of a drag but then ending on a high point but as you mentioned ren if starfield comes with a very strong showing that could potentially alter the entire perception of the show Let's say Starfield opens and it's the first 15 minutes and it's a strong gameplay demonstration and it's just, wow, this game looks fantastic. And then Halo Infinite ends the show and the multiplayer looks just enthralling. And they announce that it's going to be a public beta available later this week or you know, following the E3 show. You're probably going to walk away with that high of, this was fantastic. And you, you could forget that drag in the middle. It's kind of like a video game. If you open on a high and close on a high, you don't remember everything in, in between. You don't remember all the recycled content. But overall, I think it is going to be a solid show. I'm excited to see Halo again. I'm excited to see Forza Horizon 5 in Mexico. Starfield, Arcane with Omen, and you know updates on titles like Crossfire X. I'm excited for these updates. And as you mentioned, Game Pass. If they do come out and say Scarlet Nexus is coming to Game Pass, and then we have that Game Pass sizzle reel of, you know, previously released games, be it like an Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming to Game Pass later this month or, you know, next month. That's a quality show overall. But I do agree. I don't think it's going to be a show that's going to have us jumping up and down for joy saying, oh, my God, I can't wait. It may not even be a show that makes you run out and have to buy an Xbox following the presentation itself. But those who own an Xbox, I think are going to walk away from the show saying, I'm glad I have this platform. I'm looking forward to what the future holds and Microsoft succeeded in what they had to do at this particular showcase. We're still going to be hungry for updates on titles like Hellblade 2, Avowed, Perfect Dark, Fable, and so many other titles. But it looks like there's a nice menu of options that will be served to us eventually. 
yeah. Project Typhoon, it's going to come down to presentation, as you mentioned. If they can integrate some gameplay in that, you know, debut trailer, we may be walking away from it on a high. If it's just pure CG, we're going to feel indifferent. So hopefully Microsoft has learned that presentation is important. You can't lean on CG or just icons and game logos too much. We need to see that gameplay. We need to walk away having an idea of what we're getting. And that's what's going to instill confidence. But overall, I am expecting a very fun show from Microsoft. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to the presentation in, you know, a little less than a week. So what do you give it out of let's 10? see what E3 brings. What do you out give of it 10, out of 10? I'm going to be harsh on them. And I'm going to come in at a seven just based on the idea we're going to get a lot of CG. Yeah, I mean, seven is a good number because it could go up. You've got, you've got you know, room to, to improve there or, or it could just be a disaster, which I don't think it will be, as mentioned, this year. Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, I'm hopeful that it will be a stronger show. You know, if we do see a lot of stuff that isn't CG and we see a lot more gameplay, my score could easily go up to an eight, eight and a half. Right now, I'm going to come in with a little harsher score, with lower expectations, with room for them to wow me. Yeah, And I hope they do wow me because we're going to get the gameplay from Halo. We're going to get the gameplay from Forza Horizon 5. And knowing that that's what we're going to get, I already kind of factor that into my score. Yeah. Because, but Forza Horizon 5 could, you know, astonish with what it has for a gameplay demonstration by introducing new concepts. And that's what I want to see from them. And this is something I would hold for any studio. And this is, I mean, that's even a point I'll repeat in our upcoming Nintendo e3 predictions video i'm very harsh on nintendo i don't like when they just come in with pure safe announcements i want to see that risk i want to see that gamble and in some ways microsoft does feel like they take things a little safe with these presentations and maybe that's one of their problems from recent years is that it just feels like yeah we knew this was coming thank you for the update but you never wowed us with anything brand new yeah it feels as though they could wow us with some brand new stuff be it project typhoon Omen, Starfield even. So I'm definitely if I'm an Xbox fan and I'm a big Microsoft fan, I'm definitely feeling hopeful going into the show. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of good good feeling around this year. And like I said, I, I feel pretty confident that they will have looked at last year and and come up with something a lot better this time around. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel as though Microsoft looks at their past presentations and they try to learn from them and you know you're still limited by what you have to work with and we know the industry was challenged over the last year due to the pandemic so we should probably be thankful overall that there's even an e3 happening this year so even if the show's not perfect we still got a chance to celebrate the industry and got some quality updates on some exciting projects that are coming out this year and into next year and i think that's the important takeaway overall is that we're still going to see a lot of exciting things and plenty to look forward to. And our guest Randall Thor had to leave a little early this week before we got into the Streamlabs questions. So we'd like to thank him for joining us. You can find a link to his channel in the YouTube script description below. And now we're going to move into the Streamlab questions of the week. And our first question is from Jackie G, who donated $1, who writes, what are Monolith Productions up to? A new Middle Earth game or something else? I believe they are working on a new Middle Earth game, and it could potentially be announced at E3 
later this week. So that's something to keep an eye on. I did enjoy the first two Middle Earth games that Monolith Productions produced. And that Nemesis system is something that was really ingenious. Hopefully they're able to flesh it out a little more. But I am curious as to how they approach this one in terms of gameplay. See if they do a new exciting gimmick. Because it's been quite a number of years since we've seen a Middle Earth title. We then had a dollar donation from Liam Warner who writes, Nate, why did the Grinch leak make you more upset than usual? You get heated about terrible business practices and toxicity towards insiders, and very rightly so. And even for you, that incident seemed to push you a little more than usual. Because I had around half a dozen friends get dozens, if not more, death threats sent to them every day for the better part of a week. And that's just unacceptable behavior. This is video games. It's meant to be fun. And you have to remember, you can be the best insider in the world. Information changes at any given second. The industry is very fluid. Nothing is the same as it was a moment ago. And to go after people and send death threats or to abuse and harass them is just unnecessary behavior. It should never be acceptable in the game industry or any industry or in life. It's something that has to be called out. And yeah, I took it very personally because I also had death threats sent to me. And it was all over the idea that people were saying, well, the Grinch leak is real. And all anyone else was saying was, no, that leak isn't real. That image is fake. This, those characters aren't going to be in Smash Brothers and to respond to people just trying to help to give you a better idea of what to expect from the Smash characters roster to send them death threats is just, it's very disturbing. Yeah, well said. I mean, you know, people sometimes forget there's a human side to all this and, you know, you, you quite rightly pointed that out that, this is no joke, you know, when people get sent death threats and, and get doxxed and, and all that stuff to over video games. It really does make you wonder, you know, some people just need to go outside and, and just take a take a long walk and just just relax, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I mean, none of the individuals I knew personally who were getting the death threats, I mean, they didn't come out and say this leak is fake for any of their benefit. They were doing it for the community. They wanted people to, you know, they want to educate and inform the community that the leak, it wasn't even a leak, it was just a rumor, wasn't legitimate so that you didn't have your expectations high to be dashed once it came to earth that it wasn't real. And just to see that type of response from people is just, it's just really hurtful. We then had a $5 donation from Like a Boss. Right, we know Nintendo owns the Japanese gaming market, topping the hardware sales. Square Enix is a Japanese company that make amazing games like Final Fantasy VII Remake. What are your guys' thoughts about Final Fantasy VII Remake coming to Switch Pro? Also, thoughts on Red Dead Redemption Two coming to Switch Pro? I don't think either of those games will come to Switch Pro, and I say that yeah. because. The Switch Pro has to be cartridge compatible with the Switch. Yes. Which means they haven't really solved the problem of large storage media. Plus, the other technical reasons why I don't think Final Fantasy VII Remake is suited towards the Switch Pro 
I think hardware spec wise, assuming the specs are what we get based on Bloomberg's mm-hmm. report, yes, I think it is capable of running the game. I just feel like the storage media part of this is going to be the ultimate roadblock. Same thing applies for Red Dead Redemption 2. It runs on two Blu-ray discs. It's a, a yes. very big game. And I think <laughs> I think it's very hard to to either tell people, hey, you need to buy a 250 gigabyte SD card to play this game. And that's the only thing you can put on on the cart. I know I'm exaggerating because it's not that big, but you know what I'm saying? I think it's a it's just those games aren't suited for for the Switch Pro. And I can't see them coming to the system. Yeah, I'd give them a low percentage chance. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. So if Square really wanted to make it happen, they may find a way to do it, but I wouldn't anticipate it anytime soon. And even if they somehow found a way to make it happen, we probably wouldn't hear about it until a year from now. So sometime in 2022, but yeah, I'm not anticipating Final Fantasy seven remake to come to the switch or switch pro unless they try like a cloud version. Yep. And even though the title is unreal engine four, there are still, you can only scale the game so far before it's essentially not even the same game. So there would still be technical challenges. And you can look at Final Fantasy VII just on a base PS4. Certainly playable, but there were some limitations in place. And, you know, to bring it to a Switch Pro, you'd likely have to scale even further back. So is there, yeah, there's potential, but I would say it's very low percentage chance. We then had a dollar donation from Lee. Right, is Ninja Gaiden Z worth it? Because I have never played any of the other Ninja Gaiden games, and I have already pre-ordered the physical collection. Yes, Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 are the pinnacles of their genre. Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Edge is satisfactory. Certainly a playable game has, has value as far as entertainment goes, but Ninja Gaiden 1 and Ninja Gaiden 2 should absolutely be played. So picking up the Sigma collection will definitely give you plenty of quality game time so i'd say it is a good purchasing decision by you we then had a ten dollar donation from lintendo who writes hey nate and mvg just want to say thank you for your awesome work you do with this podcast i get excited every time a new episode comes up i still have a question for both of you what is your favorite Game franchise. Greetings from Switzerland. Metroid. Ooh. Really? Yeah. Metroid. Okay. Um, my favorite game franchise. I'd probably say The Legend of Zelda. If I want to go something a little more modern, I would probably say Uncharted or Gears of War. We then had a $5 donation from Blue Ink Blot writes will campo santo's next game in the valley of gods ever see the light of day or has valve doomed that project i know our favorite firewatch developers were called to help on half-life alex but that's all we've ever heard of them that is a great question and i actually looked into this a bit and i cannot find a single update Regarding In the Valley of Gods, I hope it does release because I'm a big fan of Ali Moss's artwork. And 
there's really no inform- new information out there concerning the status of this game beyond that it was indefinitely put on the shelf so that the development team could lend assistance on Half-Life Alex. But hopefully they're able to return to it soon and get that project out. But yeah, there's really nothing new to share on that front. We then had a $5 donation from Robin, who writes, With the return of E3, I started to think about my, my, my most hype moment from E3 in recent years, and it has to be the last night from Odd Tales a few years ago during the Xbox press conference. Haven't heard from that game since. Any word on its progress? I forgot that game was a thing, actually. Yeah, same. It, it just it's just fallen off the face of the earth. That game, I haven't heard yeah. nothing about it. No, I have not heard of that game in years now. And sometimes with an indie game, you bite off more than you can chew. You get the announcement out, and something falls apart. Maybe funding doesn't come together. It's really tough to keep track of indie games and where their status is. But yeah, I haven't seen any update concerning that title. We then had a $4.14 donation from Matanume, who writes, Mario's Sunshine. <laughs> Some shine missions just aren't fun. The linear progression, poor use of blue coin collecting, but Flood feels great. Tropical theme is unique despite the game lacking serious polish. What could, ha- what could they have done to make it a better game? They could have polished it and not rushed it to market. They could have removed Flood. <laughs> the one thing they say positive about the game. <laughs> it would have been infinitely better if they just removed Flood from the game. I mean, I do agree with that. I think the Flood-free levels that you play are some of the best Mario platforming stages in the franchise's history. It's just, it's just so many things about that game that were... Just unpolished, unoptimized. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows how I feel about Mario Sunshine. <laughs> we then had a $100 donation from Shamsa, who this that episode is dedicated to. You, to. Thank you for your donation and continue support, Shamsa. We then had a dollar donation from Brandon Wells, who writes, I hear a, I hear a lot of people say that cross-gen games hold back the new-gen games. How much of that is true? Breath of the Wild was on the Wii U, and that's a great game. I think Horizon and God of War will play and look great too. What do you think, MVG? This is a really tough question to answer at the end of end of this show because we can go pretty deep on this. But yes, I think I think it does. But you know, when I say it does, I, I'm not saying it's it's you know a negative thing. Or, or it's you know it's always going to be a negative thing. But look, at the end of the day, if you've got a game like God of War or Gran Turismo Seven that is being targeted to run on a machine that was launched in 2013, as well as a next generation or a current generation system that takes advantage of features such as SSD, ray tracing, 4K, 120 frames per second. Yes, I mean, but, you know, by definition, it is holding back that that version. So I do think it is. 
I don't want to get into it in this episode. Maybe it's a topic that we'll we'll dive into at some some point. But yeah, I think it I think it is for sure. Yeah, there's definitely aspects that can be held back. And as MVG is mentioning, this could be a topic that we dive into into the future. Maybe we can bring on a developer or two who has worked extensively on cross-gen games, be it this generation or even last generation, to really get some firsthand perspective. You know, not to say MVG doesn't have it, but just to have another take on the matter so that we can really give a a proper context into the conversation because this is certainly a matter where some may say no and others will say yes, but something that we can return to in the future. Then had a $5 donation from Luca. Right. Hi, guys. Not sure if you can talk about this. When I got my Switch late, I kicked myself because I couldn't homebrew it. I'm unsure about buying the Pro Day 1. Would you say it's worth it in case the early models have exploits that might get patched? Um, it, I mean, nice. it's always interesting to buy a Day 1 new system. But, and look, you know, if if Bloomberg's report is accurate, that is, there is a new chip in there, then yeah, I mean, there is some merit in buying a day one system and just kind of putting it aside for the chance that maybe it can be exploited. It's probably your best chance. But having said that, this is a revision of the Switch. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of this that that just carries over. And I'm talking about things like the firmware and stuff like that. So I would expect it probably won't be exploitable. But, you know, you've got a, there's an outside chance, I will say, based on the fact that it is new hardware. And look, when the Switch Lite came out, that even though that ran Mariko, there was an exploit for that that was discovered as well. So there is, there is some chance, I will say, but I would also temper expectations as well that it's probably not going to happen. Then mm-hmm. had a $5 donation from The Dark Void. Right, hi. With E3 coming this week, what is your weirdest out of left field production? Mine is that a new Banjo and Kazooie game announced at Nintendo's E3 Direct, or Sub Zero or Scorpion announced for Smash Brothers. Go Braves! Go Braves! <laughs> I can't say anything because the Yankees are awful. But what's your biggest left field announcement? My biggest left field weirdest prediction. Um. Oh boy. Samus pilot wings. That's a good one. Pilot the ship and actually sounds kind of too realistic. Shit. (laughs) 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 What's yours? What's your wildest prediction you can come up with? I mean, I was going to say Silent Hill, but there's really no platform for that game to come back at E3 because Sony's not going to be there and Konami's not going to be there. So that's probably off the table. Um, other than that, I mean, I think, you know, something something from Nintendo that we're not expecting, maybe they, they give us an F-Zero game, which, you know, I, okay. I think on paper is probably not something that they're even interested in. But there's been some talk about F-Zero. I'm not saying... It's anything substantial, but I would like to see an F-Zero game. So that's what I'm going to say. That's what it is. Microsoft bought the F-Zero IP from Nintendo and they gave it to Turn 10. Yep. That'd be awesome. 
And that was our final Streamlabs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Make a donation of any amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. If you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And today's episode is once again dedicated to Shamsa. And we thank you again for your generosity and continued support. And I'd like to thank my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer, for joining me as always. Thanks for having me on, Nate. And uh, I know Rand uh, had to had to dip, but uh, it was great having him on yep. as well. It was great to have Rand on for this conversation. You can find links to both of their YouTube channels in the description below. You can also check out MVG's latest video where he plays Gears of War 3 on the PlayStation 3. And he explains why he was able to play it, why it was ever on the PlayStation 3. And you get a firsthand look at some of the incredible gameplay footage of the title on PlayStation 3. So be sure to check that out. And we will be back later this week with our Nintendo E3 predictions. And we will have Jeff Grubb as a special guest in that episode. So be on the lookout for that. Let us know your thoughts on Microsoft's E3 presentation in the comment section below. If you enjoyed the video, give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Be sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We will see you again in a couple of days. And until then, continue to embrace the hate.